in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. Uh, I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. And uh, we're here to do another show for you guys this week uh, based on the new Kenneth Branagh movie yes. called something or other. Belfast. Okay. Is that all it is? Just straight Belfast? Yeah, yeah. I saw it a couple of days ago. Really loved it. It's only an hour and 36 minutes. It's a quick mm-hmm. watch. Nice. It's almost all in black and white, but it's. Um, and it's Irish, so if you have a problem understanding Irish people, uh, this movie might be a test for you and your ears, but uh, a very sweet story. So um, when they allow me to do the drop the review, I'll be dropping the review, but I, I enjoyed it very much. When does that uh, when does drop? It when does so it comes come? out next weekend or oh, this weekend when people are hearing it? Oh, right. Good point. Um, so I'd assume you're dropping that sometime next week. Probably. I recorded it today just to have it in the offer, so to speak. But uh, yeah, it doesn't say for me. It Sometimes it's, they've stopped sending sometimes like when these uh, embargoes are set up. So it's weird. You have to kind of ask them when the embargo is now. So it's something that I'm learning about the situation. Yeah, but you they are they showing put that in the release. The yeah, you would. Think. It's a good sign, though, if they send it out to reviewers early. Mm-hmm. A, they want to get the word out, but B, they're not fearful of, uh, oh, we made a shit movie. Right. No, no, no. It, it got the audience award at TIFF. So oh, okay. that's, a, that's a positive for the film itself um, overall. But yeah, I don't. Uh... Yeah, I don't have. Uh... I, don't, I don't have any kind of idea of when this thing is is uh, allowed to be put up so well i mean uh, you know this obviously comes out on uh, tuesday so look for it on the uh, you yep. know the outlaw nations channel i'm sure it's <laughs> yes dropping please. over there well yes. you know if I people want to uh, have any interest in seeing it you can go see yeah. someone that's already laid eyes on it and get their take absolutely yeah uh, I need to do better about that though on my own end so whatever uh, but yeah thank you man i appreciate it. it's very kind of you no problem um, I mean, personally, I go to, uh, Jeremy's channel for these types of things or, uh, <laughs> or Dan or just like, how, uh, dare you know, you? how dare you? I don't even know. Does he, I'm sure I'm assuming he does these as well. Dan. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah he's got like almost a hundred thousand subscribers that count his YouTube channel. So, uh, shout out unsurprising. to him. Yeah. Although the, uh, I was going to make a stupid joke that <laughs> we should move on from. Okay. It has nothing to do with Dan. It's a former partner of his. Oh, that uh, yeah. It's just like right. you know what? There's no point. Yeah, probably best. Yeah, it's probably best. And, uh, <laughs> we will just move on. But so take, let me say take the high road. Let me say I feel you. Let me just say I yeah. feel you. Let me just say. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, Matt, no, just... ninety six minutes. That's pretty nice. It is. It is, and it's um, you know, it's it's um, just a a. a 
how can I say this? It's it doesn't pull any punches, and certainly takes place during the troubles, the Protestants versus Catholics in Northern Ireland and Belfast. No, I mean, it's an Irish movie, so yeah, it's it, it's all over. The, but like, it's got the you know how you exist in a world like this, right? It's mm-hmm. not just all doom and gloom. You've got to function and exist, and Where? so a lot of that is explored. Where are the potato famine movies? Oh my god! Well, I'm just saying. There's a. There's I a thought lot we of said strife. you were taking the high road. Well, I'm, yeah, but that's a huge event in Irish history. <laughs> How has there not been a movie <sighs> about the potato famine that I know of? I mean, unless you want to say Angela's Ashes. Uh, I guess. Yeah, but I I never saw the movie. I read the book. Is Black Forty Seven about the potato famine? It's set during the technically Great it is set there, but it's okay. It's more so about you know, guy coming back from having an Irishman coming back from having served with the British to see that the British have basically kept the Irish people under his boot, under the boot, yeah. Yeah. and him getting revenge. So yes, there's because the like uh, I think it's Jim Broadbent plays it yeah. in essence a governor or something, and he's taking all the food out of the area to ship to somewhere else, and there's starving people at his gates. So the potato famine is a part of, but it's not really about the day to day strife of the individuals. It's a revenge film. Yeah. Well, uh, I will say this: looking it up right now, there is an article here from the Economist from October 14th of 2021. There is a film coming out called Aract, A-R-R-A-C-H-T. And maybe it's pronounced differently in the Irish language. You never know what the spellings and all of that. Yeah. But it takes place between 1845 and 1855, which is the Great Potato Famine, when Ireland, the island's population fell by a third after a million people died of starvation and disease. And twice as many were forced to emigrate. Uh, it ruined the potato crop, um, which on which smallholders we're dependent on for survival. So there you go. So there yeah. is a movie coming uh, out about the great potato famine. Well, hopefully it's good. What are the odds we bring up potato famine? And there's <laughs> an article from two weeks ago saying there's a potato famine uh, movie coming. <laughs> that clearly they heard you. Clearly they heard. Can you. we do this with all right? Where's a good Dust Bowl film? <laughs> well, there's already been a Dust Bowl. Film. I know, but I was trying to think of another major calamitous <laughs> event. Not too long. Have been many stock market movies like the crash of the stock market i can't recall any i mean hot sucker proxy but that's a joke of a movie right a joking specifically movie. no once again it's like you get yeah. cinderella man but that's the aftermath of yes you have to write it's not really about yeah the great gatsby but that's the roaring 20s leading into right the stock market crash uh i'm trying to think yeah. i mean the big i short, guess but that's about the current one that happened. yeah yeah. Yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street's not about that. Rogue Traders, not Margin Call, Boiler Room, Inside Job. No, Chase I mean, those are all TV basically film. new movies. Yeah, yeah. None of those are about. I think maybe it's because if you're going to go back to that era, you have World War One leading into the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. And then the Great Depression, the aftermath of, uh, was it Black Monday? Oh, yeah, Black Monday. Yeah, the next day. Um, and then followed by World War II. So it's just like, well, we go back to that era for these other stories and not for specifically. Yeah. And perhaps it's, you can't find sympathy within a bunch of people that got yeah. aggressive in their speculation. Let's say that. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, 19, what, uh, Seabiscuit 
is set around the time of the crash, but again, not about the crash specifically. Yeah, but isn't that set in the Great Depression, which is why Seabiscuit oh. became such a cultural figure? Right. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So everybody's down on their luck, and then here comes this underdog horse. Hmm. Back when horses were national celebrities. Uh yeah, it's weird. It's so weird to think about that now because like I was both of us existed at a time when horses were celebrities, and then it just kind of poof stopped in the 90s or early 2000s sometime. Uh, yeah, probably. Right. I mean, horse racing used to be a much bigger oh, yeah. deal nationally. My parents still, and a lot of my family still watch, you know, the big three. Mm, the Preakness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Preakness, uh, Churchill Downs, and Kentucky Derby. Right. Right. Um, and I've been to a bunch of horse races. Oh, really? I've never been to a horse race. What's oh, that? You never experience? went down to Delmore? No, no. And there's what? one like right here, yeah. 20 minutes away from us as well. So. Delmar. Oh, is that what that is? Okay, yeah. okay. It's honestly in the discussion of the nicest track I've ever been to. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's really nice. Maybe we'll try it out then as a kind of an experience. Because I never just went don't... to Santa Ana or anything like that. Yeah, Santa Ana just looks weird. Or Hollywood Park. I never went to any of that one either. But no, yeah. both of those seem sketchy. I've been to a bunch. Of, I, I lived in Kentucky. Mm. Uh, for a couple oh, of years. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. um used to go to this place called Keeneland uh, pretty regularly. Okay. And uh but yeah, no, I've been to a lot of horse I've I bet on horses. I've actually mm-hmm. I think over the course of it, it's I've I've probably made money, but it's blind luck. Yeah. It is blind it has you're reading the thing and you're like, I don't know, I like the jockey's name. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's some people are like, it's a gray horse. I bet on gray horses. I, it's blind luck <laughs> that I just have like one bet hit and it pays out enough to where I'm basically I'm playing for free that day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't bet a whole time. It's more, it's fun. It's exciting, but it's not like I'm there to, you know, make my fucking mortgage or something. Yeah. Good point. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Delmar, I think just don't go on opening day would be my suggestion. Oh yeah. 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 That's too much. That opening uh, weekend is beyond crazy. Yeah. I remember at Comic-Con, we would sometimes be on the train when those people would get on the train to go to the opening because it's right around the same time in July. And those people would be like all dressed up to the nines, the ladies with the hats and the dresses and all of that, mm-hmm. riding the train to Del Mar. So it was always weird to me to see that. But yeah, people people do it up. People do it up at these tracks, man. Um, yeah, I so- wanted to get, used a bartend down there and I wanted to get uh and and to bartend that opening weekend because you just made oh, ridiculous money i bet because everybody's throwing it around and they're just excited to get a drink because it's you know 20 people deep at every yeah. bar and uh yeah <sighs> but it was it that was a very much locals the one person that i knew that had jobs was trying to get me a job she had been in san diego for 20 something years at that point wow and it had the job for 10 years. And it was definitely, uh, I they bring their friends in to work this weekend. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So she tried. But mm. she also told me, it's like, the chances are slim. It's like, nah, I'll, I'll take the chance. <laughs> it didn't happen. But at the same time, it's like, it's very rare, especially for a guy to get in there, too. Oh, really? Is it a lot of women doing well, the Well, I just think if they have their choice and I have the same ah, experience fair. as an attractive woman, the attractive yeah. woman is going to win out. Probably. More often than not, and like almost any attractive woman that I knew, there was a bartender in San Diego. Oh yeah, uh, bartended at two to three different bars, and would get recruited to bartend at other bars, and they just <laughs> didn't have the time. Whereas it was an uphill slog for me 
to try and find more work. Look, it's just the nature of it. I wasn't of resentful. It's He's just got to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Catherine used to bartend and it was a completely mm. different experience of her reality and mine. Like guys <laughs> used to come in because she worked the day shift, this one bar. Right. And, uh, they'd wash her car while she was at work. What? Yeah. They'd come in and be like, hey, is your car dirty? I saw it out front. You know what? I'd like, they live in the neighborhood. I'm just going to go grab a bucket and some water. I'll wash that for you. And you're like, yeah, hey, wow. what is this? What is this? I don't have this. <laughs> Nobody's offered to do a fucking thing for me. And she's like, is that weird? Like, yeah. That's not. Yeah, that's, that's definitely weird. That it, it, it took until years later she understood the. You got treated differently. You do realize that, right? <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I just want you to be aware of the fact of I had and every other guy had a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's only one one bartender guy that he worked in La Jolla, and he should have been a model. Mm. But it's one of those things of he was also one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I always liked the guy. We got along great. Uh, right, and I didn't right. even drink. I just finished at the store and then I go over and that was one of the after bars we'd go to to hang out. Yeah, yeah. So I just ended up shooting the shit because he was sober too and everybody else was getting wasted. Uh, and he did, he got the same treatment as the girls did. <laughs> but he's the only one I ever met. He's living in the bubble. Exactly. The uh, reality that the rest of us can't even touch. <laughs> Uh, but super nice guy. You couldn't hate him. He was right. genuinely such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. How can you not? It's like uh, when people, oh, he's a gentle giant. It's like, yeah, because he could destroy the world. So the right. world's always been nice to them. <laughs> so, of course, they're nice. You know, it's a different experience for him than it is the rest of us. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. It is. It's, I knew a guy's. He, he uh, if you ever saw any kind of biker role uh -huh, in uh -huh. commercials and TV and whatnot, it was him or like two or three other guys that got it by and large. Wow, wow. Um, such a nice guy, but six eight, three hundred and twenty five pounds. Oof. It's just the walking brick of a man, right? Right. With you know terrible knees and hips and just carrying around that much load for all these years, but incredibly nice. And you're like, yeah, because no one has ever fucked with you. Right. Like, it's never happened. Right. It's nice when no one fucks with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad place to exist in. No, listen, you're right about that. Um, well, just real quick, there is one film about the stock market crash. It came out in 1932. It was called The Crash. Uh, and it starred Ruth Chatterton as a luxury loving wife devastated by the Wall Street crash of 1929. Uh, and it was less than an hour long, a 58 minute film. Damn, back in the old days, they could do that. Uh, all right, so that's the only film, Matt, I've ever found wow. about the crash. Exactly. It was, uh, there's no real dialogue, all the dialogue is title cards. It's so they no, don't have to worry. I don't think so. 1932. You think it's silent film? Hey, I think it's right on the cusp. When when is the? I mean, I know that there are talkies before then, but how prevalent are talkies at that point? I don't know. You know what? Let's let's see if there's. A is it a silent film? I don't know. Let's see if there's a trailer for this. 1932. Fall the crash. There's not gonna be. They didn't. Did they make trailers for movies in 1932? <laughs> I don't know, but I've seen trailers. I don't for think so. I think the they 30s. just put up posters and said, "Come see the crash." <laughs> Rich uh, debutante. Uh, I can't remember. Holy shit, it's available to buy or rent on YouTube. No bullshit. 
<laughs> that that seems like a that should be a free with ads type of situation. How many people are buying the crap? Who owns the rights? And they're like, yeah, this is my retirement right here. <laughs> the crash. I love that it's mixed in with crash, <laughs> the crashing, uh, and all these other things. And there's not even a clip. There's not even a clip available for you to watch, which is really funny. So. Crazy. But you can't find out if it's a talkie or not. I, I don't see anything. I don't. Uh, let's see if there's a Wikipedia for this film. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Nineteen. The Crash is a 1928 American silent drama film. Is it the one oh. by Edward F. Klein? No, this one's directed by William Deaterly. This is a pre-code drama. So this seems like it's not silent. Okay, well, one from 1928 with the same title is a silent film. Okay, all right. Can you watch this on T? You probably watch this on TCM, I would imagine. All right, so The Crash, 1930. Ruth Chatterton. Yes. George Brent. Well, you know Brent. I mean, it doesn't say that it's a silent film. You would think they'd put that in there, so I guess it is a talkie. Right. This George Brent guy, by the way, from Ireland. What a way to bring it all the way back here, Matt. He's from County Galway, Main Street, Ballinslau, County Galway. That's when he was born in 1904 and then came over here to become an actor. Actually married Ruth Chatterton for a couple of years from that movie, 1930. He was married five fucking times, this guy. Yeah, George Brent, shout out to you, buddy boy. Died in Solano Beach, California, nineteen seventy-nine, of seventy-five years old. Well, well, well. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. I don't know any films that I've seen him looking through his resume. I don't know this guy. Anyway, all right. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Some old-time actor from the thirties. We're here to talk about uh, the top ten films with narration in it, um, because there's a little bit of narration in the movie. And certainly we wanted to talk about the uh, top 10 films here with narration. And this was yep. a lot, Matt. I have like 20 to 30 titles here it's, to play around with. It got overwhelming and I actually stopped. Really? It stopped making uh, I just stopped notes? adding. And I was like, yeah, this one counts. And I guess technically this one counts. And then this one definitely right. counts. And this one is good. And then, oh, fuck that. <laughs> it got to. So I, I hope you have some gems that I didn't think about. Uh, well, I have some probably in my. Uh, what do you call it? Honorable mentions, but I went pretty standard on the top 10. So, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I tried to float around a little bit. Um, and I also tried to, Mm. if the voiceover was, or the narration was something I was one of the first things I thought about of the movie too. Yeah. Good point. Yes. Since we're trying to, but there's so many different, uh, films that qualify. I, I, if someone has a completely different top 10, I would be fully understanding. Of course. Of course. And there um, are so many different, that, so many that run the gamut for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's an honor of the new Kenneth Brown movie. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, go see it. Look for the uh, review that John put out. Hopefully it piques your interest and you go and uh, uh, see a movie. Yeah. Directed uh, by Kenneth Brana. Brana. Right. Um. 
So once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, all, all right. right. So once again, all things are on the table. Uh, at 10, I, I chose this one because it's one of the more unique uses of narration, which is stranger than fiction. Oh, nice choice. Yes. Love that film. Go ahead, it's, my man. It's not often where the main character is interacting with the narrator. Yes. As they are narrating the action of said main character. And as Will Farrell feels like he's losing his mind, he goes to talk to Dustin Hoffman to try and sort out yeah. what's going on in this weird chicken or egg situation. Um, is he living his life or is it being dictated to him type of thing? But yeah. the use of the narration, I think made it so singular that it stuck out like a sore thumb in the list of 30, 35, whatever it is, films that I started to write out. Uh, and I chose it for that reason. I think it's it's really good, and it's a departure into uh, a serious role mm -hmm. that Farrell doesn't do. He does it every once and again, you know? Yeah. It's like this and uh, everything must go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a couple others that I think are really good. I kind of like him when he does those roles, to be honest with you. There's uh, more humanity in him when he does those roles. I really like Stranger Than Fiction. That's one of my favorites from him. Yeah, and the weird thing is it wasn't well-received when it came yeah. out. I know. And I think still the reviews are kind of lukewarm on it, and I thought it was much better than that. Same thing with Everything Must Go. I thought that was a, a really delightful film to watch, and yeah. I think he did a great job with it, um, navigating all the things he's going through in that movie. Oh, it's just a smaller film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like when comedic actors take their hand at, uh, or try their hand at drama. Yeah. Cause some like M Melissa McCarthy, I think is really successful. At oh it. my God. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I got to see that new one that she released that is her going with her and Chris O'Dowd, another comedian kind of dealing with the death of their child. Oh and yeah. The reviews on that are mixed. Yeah, I know. Well, pretty much all her films now are pretty much mixed, dude. She hasn't had a good one in quite some time. Since, oh, well, can you ever forgive me? I guess can you ever forgive last, me? Right. Last really good one that where everyone universally got behind it. Yeah. This one feels a little more. Although I think she got outshone by, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Richard E. Grant. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, his part was flashier. Exactly. That's how so, it goes. Sometimes. Exactly. But I mean, between that and St. Vincent, it's like, this is... All I right. love you in these, yeah. And the comedies that you do the most of uh, are not my cup of tea, but to each their own. I mean, comedy is so very specifically subjective. It is, and even within the comedies, even the bad ones that I've seen, she has her moments of real pathos with these characters. She's yeah. an accomplished actress. She's actually a damn good actress. So even in crappy comedies, she can find the moments of genuine emotion to play, and you believe it. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah, she's I, like, I I know that nine total strangers that's out on Hulu now or nine perfect strangers, whatever it is. I, I'm tempted to watch it. I'm tempted. I haven't seen the best reviews for it, but I'm tempted because of her and a couple of the other actors that are involved in the project. So we shall see. But it's nine perfect strangers. So it's just Balkis. Nine perfect. Yeah. No, that's when you said nine perfect, just Balkis from all the different countries coming together. Cousin. 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 <laughs> <laughs> good old bronson pinchot i like it i like it <laughs> uh yeah him and mark lynn baker yeah that name's still in my head how the fuck is that name still in my head 
Yeah, probably because you were younger when you learned it. Yeah, my favorite year was the first thing I saw him in, the one with Peter O'Toole, and then I oh saw wow, Perfect Strangers. Yeah, uh, no, I saw Perfect Strangers long before I saw anything else, and then to find out years later that he had tremendous amount of heat. Yeah, going into Perfect Strangers and like this is a guy people liked him, uh, which is crazy because I just knew him as cousin. <laughs> I knew Perfect Strangers. That was it. And then Bronson <laughs> went into Beverly Hills Cop and all that. Oh, so he had more of a career to me. Yeah. Um. But anyway, but I like when he shows up and stuff. Mark Lynn Baker. He's he plays a great villain. He was in a couple of Law and Orders where he plays like the the uh, person who did the crime. And he's just so great at being smarmy and kind of cocky and whatever. So it's always fun to see him pop up and shit like that. Um, but anyway, we should move on. That, that yeah, sure. Stranger Than Fiction. Check it out. <laughs> there you go. Check it out. All right. What's your... Uh, by the way, Perfect nine. Strangers ran for seven years, bro. That's incredible. All right. Seems about so, right. What's your, uh, what's your nine? My nine is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's my eight. Are you kidding me? Such it's, a good movie. It is good. Yeah. And it opens with... Downey Jr. Oh my God. Almost breaking. Well, it is breaking the fourth wall as a narrator. Totally breaking the fourth wall as a narrator. Not describing the action, but also directly addressing the audience. <laughs> Basically saying, like, oh, you don't like me? Well, you're kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Um, but and this is this is pre-Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. So this is Iron Robert Downey Jr. before anyone oh, yeah. knew what was gonna happen. And he's got that kind of cocky confidence in the in the narration. So. Oh, it's Downey Jr. post rehab jail stint. Yes, when he doesn't have the the same momentum that he had had leading into that, and it's Val Kilmer yes. after he's taken a flamethrower to every bridge he created. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and then Bridget Moynihan kind of on the way up. Not Bridget Moynihan, Michelle Monahan. Ma- Michelle Monahan. Right. Sorry, it's a no worries. Moynihan, <laughs> swimmy swami. <laughs> And then Shane Black writing, right. directing, all that. So it's this kind of perfect storm of a number of very talented individuals coming together yeah. and just because of uh, all kinds of different circumstances, uh, whether it be, you know, with the Downey and Val Kilmer, uh, where they're, you know, need to get solid footing again and the others on the come up. Yeah you could get this this confluence of talented people together to make uh, a genuinely entertaining and engaging film. But the narration yeah. is, it's fun. It's a fun use of narration. I agree. Uh, Cause it c- goes into so many different places and he's able to, del- he, the narration is so essential to the movie, I think, because it, <clears throat> it keeps you kind of grounded in what this guy's story is. Mm-hmm. And it feels as if he's narrating as he's going along. So in essence, He's kind of live tweeting in live time all the things he's experiencing. He's not even telling this as a once upon a time story. It's all happening as he's narrating. And I think there's even a moment where the narration stops because something happens and he gets oh, surprised right. in the narration. And so it's, I think that's the brilliance of the narration in the movie is it's, it feels like it's happening at the same time as you're watching um, what's going on on the screen. So, yeah. Um. But great stuff. Yeah. Cole yeah. Corbett Burnson, um, Shannon Sassamon. And I can't remember the dude that's in fucking Romeo and Juliet in that film. And oh, uh, shit. I had his name and lost it. He's in Ray Donovan. 
Uh, well, let's see. Whatever that casting director is, a uh, Larry. Um, <laughs> oh, shh. Why am I blanking on Larry Miller? Are you making yes, Larry Miller? He's great. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to think who else is in it. Be part of a necessary roughness, Larry Miller. Uh, well, you got to have him. He's the villain. He is. You're right. Dash Mihawk. That's the guy's name. Mr. Frying Pan. Oh, of course. Everybody knows yeah. Dash Mihawk. <laughs> oh, wow. Ariel Winter plays the young girl, plays Harmony Faith Lane at age seven. So the Michelle Monahan character at the, in the oh, magic when show. Doing the, yeah. The chainsaw yeah. and she starts screaming and then, <laughs> daddy, I want to be an actress. And then he goes to backhand her and they cut and right. move the scene along. Yeah. But that was child wow. child rearing. Interesting. Yeah, back then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that's your number eight. That what's was your... my nine. Oh, that's your nine. Sorry, sorry. What's your eight? My eight is the assassination of Jesse James. Yeah, that is a punt. That is a okay. punt. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit hard because that is one of the most incredible narrations ever in the history of mankind. <laughs> All right. All well, right. <laughs> what do you got at 10 then? Uh Gone Girl. Go for it. Yeah, I mean the listening to her narrate the story uh and when you're initially on her side and she's narrating what's happening you're like oh wow this is really a situation that she got kind of got suckered into and blah 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 and then when shit changes you're like oh my god i completely got screwed here into believing this person's point of view and perspective and this now has become a real life horror movie. No creatures, no fucking shit under the beds. Just a person who is determined to manipulate and strategize a man into a corner and makes all the right moves to essentially castrate him and turn him into a slave within his own life. Um, and it's brilliant. Really out kind of like that now, too. Does he? Ben yeah. Affleck does? Okay. Yeah. The tender bar or something like that. Is that the new one? That's I can look it up real quick while you, yeah, yeah. if you want to continue talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But she's great. I mean, uh, Rosamund Pike, not a lot of people knew Rosamund Pike. I mean, you'd seen her in the bond film and was it die another day. And then a couple other films and whatever, but when she came along with this one, it was incredible. So, um, Fincher trusting her with the narration, trusting her to bring the, the, the power of the story to life, I think was great. And she's stellar in the movie. That scene where she looks up while she's lying on his chest. <laughs> I know it's called deep water. Oh, deep water. Okay. A well-to-do husband uh, who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime sex suspect and the disappearance of her lovers. Interesting. Ooh, well, it's not quite like Gone Girl, but it's also like a it's a weird sexual it is. marriage thing again. Uh, directed by. Adrian, Adrian Lynn. He hasn't done a movie in 20 years, Matt. Not since Unfaithful. He loves these sex movies. Yes, he does. Look at this. Yeah. Unfaithful, Lolita, Indecent Proposal, Fatal well, Attraction. You got, you got Dash weeks. again. Anyway, he's in this? Dash Mihawk is in this. <laughs> what? Ben Aff oh, Anna Darmus. Oh, so this was the film they were doing together when they got together. Oh, interesting. All right. Oh, are they together? This is how well, they were. Yeah. Celebrity. Yeah, they were together for a little bit, and then they broke up, and apparently the pa paparazzi caught photographs of someone 
in a uh, hazmat suit or in a suit that they use to like kind of clear stuff out, bringing out a cardboard cutout of her that he had in his house. And a lot of people speculated that was Casey in disguise bringing out the cardboard cutout to get out of his house. So it's a crazy little world, Matt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can't imagine living under that kind of ridiculous microscope. Fuck that noise. I mean, I, I would love the money and the fame. Don't get me wrong. But I would be just like staying at home the whole time because it's just it's too much. It's all too much. The pressure and watch everything you do. You can't even pick your fucking. I mean, the guy they've got video of him picking up uh, Dunkin' Donuts in some sad way from the front of his. Well, house. of course, like, you took a million off, pictures man. of any person. Yes, you can find like that one where he's sitting on his front stoop smoking. Yeah, <laughs> and he just kind of looks exhausted. Who hasn't done that? But then he becomes a meme. Which is shitty because you're right because all those people making fun of him have sad have sat oh, out on so multiple many of porches. those yes yeah. and the fact of the matter is that could have been one fraction of a second and the rest of the time he was smiling and yes in a good mood you just happened to catch him when he was really enjoying the exhale of that cigarette but it looks painful um yeah I, I don't know but to yeah, live or- under that kind of microscope. Yeah, or that meme where he's uh, like, you know, talking about the, what Batman be Superman, and they kind of pan in on him, like turning to his left and looking sad. He could have been thinking about some with his kids, a fight he had with, yeah, uh, his ex with Jennifer Garner, or dealing with some some memory of um, uh, his uh, uh, drunken exploits that triggered something. Like this, it's just a human moment. But people are going to turn it into something where, oh, look at this sad motherfucker here. It's like. Bitch, you're not even come close to accomplishing what he accomplished no. in his career, and you're going to judge him. I think you know. Have you ever seen that video of DiCaprio acting like a paparazzi running up to Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill doesn't know it's DiCaprio? <laughs> yeah. And it's out. It's in some like vacation area on the East Coast, like Martha's Vineyard or something. Yeah. And Jonah Hill first is like, "What the fuck?" And just starts back <laughs> backing up, backpedaling, going, "What the fuck is going?" And then realizes it's DiCaprio, and like the relief. It washes over him. Yeah. And Jonah Hill only gets a slight fraction of what Leonardo DiCaprio has had to put up with. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. his reaction to, although anybody that gets bum rushed like that. Uh, oh, yeah. True. True. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It just, yeah, I don't, I don't envy that in the slightest. <laughs> I think that's when the Schmodown will cross the line is when paparazzi shows up. Um, well, you know, you're not going to have to deal with that in the not no. distant future. I know you don't believe me, but I'm not going to have to deal with it. <laughs> okay, Trump, I believe you. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? Never said retire. Never said retire. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, we have and you on words, video. Or saying... change. <laughs> uh, Fake news. Fake news. Um, anyway. So when do you want to announce the schmo up, our competing... <laughs> comes out uh, we're starting in february guys it's going to be for the real movie trivia fans uh, no c in the schmo and we're going up son yeah going, going up. up only on the up and up <laughs> it's for the best of the best <coughs> i'm gonna bring uh, snyder out of retirement rachel cushing yeah it's all happening <laughs> we're lighting it up right now yep oh man um, and instead of having a commissioner, we're going to have the commission, just like the oh. mafia back in the day. It's going to be the heads of the various families. <laughs> the and we them. all sit down and do this. Yep. 
if something was to happen to Sam Levine, I might blame some of the people in this room. Exactly. Can't touch him. Can't you touch can't him. touch him. Please. Should he kill him? We, we got to trace the lineage of your mom back to uh, Schmissily. Oh, Schmissily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got to be from there to know that. Uh, <laughs> he's a Schmissilian. It was amongst the Schmissilians. It was a, it was a, exactly. it was a Schmissilian thing. Oh, Lord. Terrible. All right, let's move on. Uh, my number nine is the Big Lebowski, which is probably a punt. So. I the, the narration isn't as big as other movies, wow. so I, I kept it off my list. Okay, that's fair. I, I like it because it's unusual. And sure. Sam Elliott has one of the greatest voices in the history of time. Uh, and so I like the way he's and that he appears in the film as well, which I think is brilliant. So there's a Western kind of narration to it. Mm-hmm. It really sets the mood for the movie. And then when he pops in to have that weird interaction with the dude, you just it's just odd because a narrator rarely um, pops in. And especially in present time, because he's narrating like it's in the past, but then he yep. appears in present time and then does that narration at the end. So to me, I, I thought it was unusual enough that I wanted to include it on our on our list or at least okay. on my list uh, at number nine and. Just Sam yeah, Elliott is so good. So he is so good. Um, but that was one of the things of the narration is not. Well, that's not true though, because I do like that. You know, when Lebowski's going through the grocery store at the very beginning, yeah, and Sam Elliott is doing the. You know, <laughs> I still think Los Angeles. Los Angeles is great. <laughs> and there, there was a dude, you know, and just basically you can hear him settling into, you know, there yeah. was a dude. The tumbling uh, weed. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. true. It should have made, once again, there's so many to choose from. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've got a whole other 10 to 15 on honorable mentions. Yeah, not. it's, it's a ridiculous list. It's mind-blowing. All right, so then my number eight, we're going back into the 80s, is uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, which one do we have in common? We had Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, didn't Okay. Yeah. Didn't we well, say that's that? a punt. Um. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. So, well, sorry, 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 sorry. My number eight was Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Sorry about yeah. that. I jumped one in my mind. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. So what your seven saying? is Raising Arizona. My seven is. Sorry about that. I blew the wad there a little okay. bit. <laughs> uh, still a punt. Okay. Uh, my but, seven is Braveheart. Oh, knock yourself out. I didn't you even have, think about that one. You Shit. have Robert the Bruce trying to set up right. like... Uh, here's here's the stage of why Longshanks is Longshanks yes. and why the Scots are rebelling and what this means just over and over whenever there's kind of any kind of moment of clarity that you need. Yeah. And here comes Robert the Bruce. And I love it sticks out for me because you would assume it'd be William Wallace. Yeah. Kind of narrating his own life. But William to have Wallace. the narration come in somebody that eventually takes over as king, but really looks at Wallace as the mm-hmm. true leader of Scotland. Yeah. And yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah. yeah, at least in regards to how it's portrayed in this film, yeah. um, we already know about the hi- historical inaccuracy. So maybe Robert the Bruce hated William Wallace. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't care. Um, yeah. Plus, it's been so long since Braveheart made a list of any, any kind. Yeah, on this show. It's been a bit. It has been a bit. And been I went back and just for shits and giggles, because I haven't watched it in a while, and just watched a couple scenes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Father, father. Well, when the I can't remember the dude's name, uh, the voiceover guy. 
no, no, no. The Irish guy shows up into camp that eventually pulls the dagger. Oh, on, but he's yeah. talking to God because that that's great. the only equal to him. Uh, it's such good acting. You see him yeah. pop up like he was in uh, uh, The Departed and as one of the you know gangsters and he's played a bunch of smaller heavy roles like that mm -hmm. but his introduction i love that scene i was just going back and cherry picking some of my favorite scenes in the movie but the narration is really good once again there's so many to choose from and we haven't talked about braveheart it hasn't come up on the list and i was like fuck it i'm putting braveheart on here even uh, though you could say that the narration is stronger from other movies i think it's it's quality in this one so i put it on my list mm. That's fair. I like it. I like it. It's good. I forgot about it. I guess because I don't think Angus McFadden, like I don't see him as this great actor. So maybe that's why it affected me thinking about that one for this list. But great point, dude. That's a fantastic one. Um, all right. What's your six? Uh, my six is Amadeus. Oh, shit. Damn it. Because you know you what? I Salieri. I've got my list. I'm not. That's fine. Normally, dude, once again, normally I would switch it in. But I got to respect the list. This there's time, a million. There's so many to choose from. Go ahead. So many. I love that narration. Great point, man. Yeah. I, I think of him describing the first time that he sees Mozart. And oh, that is yeah. all narration. But he's like, can can this, you spot greatness? This sniveling little. This, this. This. Exactly. His disgust. It has everything. It has his awe <sighs> and wonder and his curiosity that then flips into jealousy, yeah. hatred, disgust. All of it, all in yeah. one narration. It gives you such a great encapsulation of who Salieri was. Yeah. Uh, and I almost didn't put it on my place. list because Amadeus has made a few lists lately. <laughs> That's true. But it's worth it, man. It's worth it. So good. And we broke into an Amadeus talk after the topsy-turvy talk like a few weeks That's ago. That's true. And That's true. Yeah, it's it's top of the mind. So it's like, am oh. I a broken record at this point? But I don't mind because that record plays a tune that I can listen to. <laughs> no shit. So... And uh, speaking of topsy-turvy, real quick, for those of you who are listening, the uh, Barnes & Noble 50% off sale is going on in Criterion. Go pick up topsy-turvy. It's 20 bucks. Pick it up. Trust me. Trust Matt and I. You will not go wrong with this film. So pick it up. If you've heard us talking about it many times, you thought, well, maybe I'll see it. Go pick it up for 20 bucks. It's worth your 20 bucks. You'll love it. Um, but yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, I bet you for 15 bucks, you can get the digital download of Criterion's uh, oh, topsy-turvy. No, it doesn't exist. You can get all the different stuff. They don't have a digital download for the Criterion Fuck no, Collection. Man. This is about digital media or about physical media. Physical man. media. Yeah, this is about holding on to stuff. <laughs> Let it go, guys. Let it go. Never. Never. But, dude, great choice. I can't. But my dad right now is looking down on me and just shaking his fucking head because I should have totally put him days. It's our, it's our favorite film. Uh, Boulder, he loved the narration, quoted it endlessly all the time. My mom does too, every once in a while, still. But yeah, I mean, just the, all the different the, 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 the script of that film is exceptional, and the lines they give. And I know it's based on Peter Schaefer's play, but they made some changes for the script. And the uh, F. Murray Abraham is incredible delivering those lines, just incredible, man. Yeah, god, what a great choice, dude. Oh, I'm mad at myself for not picking that one. Fuck. All right. What else you got? So seven raising Arizona. Uh, is that a punt? That is a punt. Okay, great. Six is the princess bride. I, I, I cut it just because I figured okay. I would, maybe you'd have it. Yeah. 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 Peter Falk. So good mm -hmm. doing the narration. That film in no way works without the narration. 
the feeling that you're not only is True. he telling this to Fred Savage, he is telling this story to the inner child in all of us, you know, and the way he's delivering the lines, the way he's delivering the action and the adventure. And of course, yes, we do see and hear the actors playing the scenes out, but hearing Peter Fox's voice as he's doing this uh, uh, narration through the different moments of the movie is great. And then getting back to him, having the interactions with Fred Savage, which are really, which are progressively sweeter as the film goes along. It just does a really good job. I mean, when he talks about the kiss that they have, yeah, that is fantastic narration in that moment. Um, really capturing the emotion of that, uh, that, that kiss that they have. So, so good. It is so good. Yeah. Um, and I felt that was, one of a couple that I felt the guiltiest about. Oh, about cutting? Yeah. About cutting. Yeah. I was like, God, but the narration is so good and it's unique yes. to it. Agreed. Um, but you got, got to make cuts somewhere, I yeah, guess. I agree. Clearly Spread the I love cut. around. Have, you know, something like Stranger Than Fiction on the list just as mm. a, because I'm never going to put Princess Bride at 10. Right. 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 Deserves a higher ranking. It course. does deserve a, I, I know people, some people look at him and be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like it does in my brain. You know what? Start your own show, then you can. Yeah, exactly. If it's gonna make a list, it should. And for something like this, it should land in these this range. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's fair, dude. Um, All right. Well, let's take a break here, Matt. Before we get into our top fives and uh, hear from our sponsors and ourselves, uh, talking about certain things that you guys can be a part of. All right, welcome back to the top 10. We are talking or counting down the uh, top 10 films with narration in it. We're, in, we're entering into our top fives. Matt, kick us off, please. What is number five for you? At five is the punt, Raising Arizona. Oh, okay. Woo, woo. Oh, Take it, man. Take it. Uh, the confidence from the Coens. <laughs> yes. To do something like this where, because narration is... You know, sometimes it's a crutch of bad storytelling yes, and screenwriting. And in this, it really fleshes out. It gives you such a, a nice kind of look into who High is mm-hmm. and how High views the world and interacts with and like why he keeps stumbling, especially yeah. early on, why he keeps going back to jail and whatnot. Yeah. And him giving the play by, not really play by play, but the, the mentality and rationale as mm-hmm. to why he keeps finding himself in these situations. Yeah. It just from the very early on sets the tone. Uh, and know that this is Cohen's what second film after blood simple. Yeah. After blood simple. Yeah. Is wildly impressive because blood simple looks like a great, like college art film. Yeah. It's a fantastic noir. That's yeah. Kind of yeah. on the low end in terms of budget. Yeah. Great point. Uh, it's well, it's very simple, simple location, simple premise, mm-hmm. well executed. Mm-hmm. But you can tell it was done on a very shoestring budget. So to come out and do this, which is kind of a, I don't want to say a high concept comedy, but it has a very distinct and particular uh, humor and sensibility mm. that you don't see in Blood Simple at all. Blood Simple is nothing like, yeah, this, yeah. And this becomes, and then you would say, like Miller's Crossing is a kind of a, a little bit of a blend of both of them. Yeah, a little bit. Although slightly more uh, raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just the narration, the introduction to all these ridiculous uh, characters that kind of work in the context oh of God. the story as a whole. Yeah. 
It's so good. It's I had a trouble putting it so lo- a little bit lower on the list, but you know, just for my own personal reasons, I did. But I love Nicolas Cage's narration. This whole movie, mm-hmm. and I think it's essential. Like like people talk about um, Clone Wars being essential to kind of fleshing out Anakin after the prequel trilogy. It's really okay. important. I think the same thing here. Like this character is a loser. Um, he loves his wife, certainly, but he's a bit of a loser. Uh, and hearing his point of view, hearing his perspective on things as he narrates the movie really helps to flesh out his character even more and garner sympathy from the audience for him. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, Matt, we get to hear his points of views, his perspectives yeah. on the situations as the film goes along and the genuine sweetness and the genuine love he has for Holly Hunter's character, you know, cause he's not that smart, but um, no, not in the slightest. Right. Which is why he finds himself in the situations that he finds himself in, but he genuinely loves uh, Holly Hunter and she genuinely loves him. So that when that final moment happens with the baby and the dad of uh, Nathan jr, there, that whole interaction, he's like, shut up, boy. Ain't nobody going to call the cops. As well. That's I believe that's Nathan, Arizona, <laughs> Nathan, Arizona, sorry, Nathan, Arizona, but Nathan jr is who they bring back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Nathan Arizona's, oh, shut up, boy. Ain't nobody calling the cops. And then when he says to him, you know, I don't know much, but I know love. And you two seem to, uh, I'd say you sleep on it before you you make any rash decisions. It's such a sweet moment, but it is so um, earned because of the narration that uh, that uh, Nicolas Cage delivers as high throughout the movie. You know? Yeah, I think it's the, the world and character building that they've done. Yeah. Did you side yeah. with him? And it's part of the reason, like, I, I, I'm still a fan of Nick Cage to this day. Yeah. He yeah. fully 100% commits to this character. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's more than happy to play the idiot because that's what this character is. Yeah. And even lands the plane perfectly, Matt, with that last bit of narration of the dream he's having. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes fun of the guy telling one too many Polish jokes. Uh, and then he says, I visualize a future where we blah, blah, blah. And he and I think he I can't remember the last line he says, but uh, yeah, but, I know what you're talking about because I can visualize it in my head, but I can't remember it off the top. He's, he says, but maybe it was Utah, I think is what he says, because he was thinking of a place he'd be having all this with the grandkids and everything like that. And he says, I must be dreaming of a place. Maybe it's Utah. And boom, it's over. And it's great. It's a great landing of the narration. So yeah. Uh okay. So then my five is the punt from earlier, the assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. Okay. Man, oh man, this narration. I mean, as a guy who was getting into uh, voiceovers a few years ago in, um, in at William Morris and doing stuff like his, I would play this all the time, the movie and listen to his narration as he took you from place to place. There was just something about his voice. I'm looking up the guy's name right now because it's been a while since I've thought about the dude's name. I, I it takes it's you almost like a place. reporter yeah. setting the scene over and over again. Yeah. Like when he's talking about the fact that he lives in, uh, I think it's Kansas City. Yeah. And it's like, you know, most people know him as this, this, and this. Right. But he has two gunshot wounds left partially healed in his torso and one in his thigh. <laughs> and it's just this... But the calming nature, it's almost like a Garrison Keeler. Yeah. But not full into the character of Garrison. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a, re- a great comparison, Matt. It has that Garrison Keeler kind of, it's inside the mouth type of approach. Yeah, it is. And then the, but, but there's a, a little more kind of 
a slightly higher pitch gravelly approach to this. And I remember hearing him on like Buick commercials and IBM commercials. So when oh, really, yeah, yeah. His name's Hugh Ross. So when I heard him in assassination, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Cause it sounds almost like an A and E documentary. Yeah. You know, which you would watch back in the eighties and nineties. And so it's a perfect voice to use here. And he does bring you in the world of the film. So believably mixed with the music, which is, done so well and the scenes that are being shot here by andrew dominic all of it works so well in tandem but the voiceover is is unusual and distinct and memorable and what's so fucked up is this guy's an editor he edits shows yes he's edit like he's still editing that that doogie kamalawa show he's an editor on that show for four of those episodes so (laughs) He, not only does he do voiceover, he's also on the other side. He's edited 37 episodes of New Girl. So okay. it's well, crazy. That's a good job, too. Plus, he's acted on screen. He is in, he's in Age of Adeline as the narrator in Age of Adeline. He was in For Love of the Game as Mike Udall. I don't know who Mike Udall is in the movie. I haven't seen that in so long. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I didn't like it either myself. Yeah, it could be just I wasn't in the mood for it when I saw it, but it just, I don't know, it seemed too sappy and melodramatic. Yeah. Not sappy, so to speak, but (laughs) too melodramatic for me. You know, it's funny. He started out as an extras casting assistant on Major League. That's how far back this guy goes, man. Got into editing, though. That's a good gig. It's a great gig. If they know you and they like you, it's a great gig. And you throw in some voiceover stuff, Matt, you've got, you you know, you're doing all right in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You're not doing bad. Yeah. True, true, true. Um, all right. What's your four, brother? Uh, my four is Fight Club. Uh, that's my three. Yeah. Let's talk about it. It was just the assessment of the mundanity of his life. Yeah. And his overall displeasure of where he's at that kind of helps ease you into the fact that this isn't, you know, he's not going to stay this. Yeah. This is almost like a cocoon phase. And he is basically going to transform into something utterly different. But the cold calculating, I love it when he's going through his apartment and just the numbers that, that pop up of what everything costs is he's, you know, oh yeah, methodically talking about all oh, this, this rug is really going to make it, make it complete and the <laughs> emptiness and the shallowness of all of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, a great another encapsulation of that is when they're on the bus later on and they see the advertisement of the guy with a six pack or whatever. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is that oh, is that what a, a real man is supposed to look like? <laughs> Just there's more this influence of advertising and the ideal that is thrust upon all of us. Yeah. That's pretty much unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like whoever was in that picture very well could have been real, but the amount of you know chicken breast only diet before mm-hmm. They took that photo is unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh type of stuff. Anyway. Yeah, in no in no way do men have to deal with body issues at the level that women do yeah. in the society. But we certainly do have to deal with them at a certain level in our society because all the women go crazy for fucking magic Mike and all these dudes, and it's because they all have abs and they're in great fantastic shape. So there is that pressure a little bit to look that way so that you can get a woman um uh for sure and certainly in the gay community having knowing many gay friends there is a big pressure to be in a certain shape to be considered viable as a potential mate you know so it's insane 
I think so. it's a, to each their own. They're exactly. definitely fans exactly. of, right. but then, you know, heavy set guys are uh, an ideal for both men and women. Yeah, I guess. Dad bods. Oh, there are. Yeah, dad bods, but like bears yeah. in the gay community. Yeah, it's thing. true. Bears, true, true. So, uh, yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, we're shown, hey, having a six pack or whatever the case is. Yeah. Like your bartender friend, right? Which you mentioned on another, on the, um, oh, on the, this, uh, yeah, was this show or last, uh, yeah. upcoming Thursday topic thunder. I can't remember. Yeah. He mentioned something about a friend of yours who was a bartender who's good looking and got everything because his looks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, personality too, I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah. Personality helped, but good looking (laughs) dude. Well, you get sucked in because he's good looking. Exactly. And then you find out he's a nice, really nice guy on top of that. You're like, "Mm, pretty dreamy. (laughs) Pretty dreamy. Pretty dreamy. But I mean, but also the narration here, of course, is, is brilliant in Fight Club because of the twist. And when the twist happens, you're like, yep. holy shit. You know, so I know I don't want to talk about the twist, but at the same time, it's been 20 oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. Three years, 22 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and how can you not know? And if you're a lover of film, then you've at least know the twist. But what if you're some young kid that just hasn't gotten around to see it yet? Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I will say that. Yeah. It's a twist you don't see coming. And when it happens, you're just like, holy shit. But the um yeah, the voiceover is so good getting it. And of course, the lines are great. You know, Bob, Bob had bitch tits. Um, yeah. The spirit animal lines, the stuff with Marla, um, the interactions, uh, describing the interactions he's having with uh, with Tyler Durden through the movie. It's all so well laid out, you know, because he's a guy who's clearly suffering from not knowing where the fuck he belongs. Yeah. And it, you know? it really juggles where we get to in that twist quite beautifully. Mm. Yeah, you get used to all these different perspectives, and then once you find out what you find out, you're like, "Wow, that's yeah, that's even better." Yeah, yeah, it works so well. Um, okay, so that was your four, correct? Oh, so then my four is Goodfellas. That's a punt. Oh, damn! All right, what's your three? Uh, my three is a Christmas story. Yeah, that's a tough cut. I wanted to include it, but then at the end, I was like, it's either assassination or Christmas story. Because like you, there's no way that belongs in the bottom half of the top I, 10. So. The very first thing I think of is the voiceover. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I won't So that's why it. I was like, well, it's making my list because on this, we, because <laughs> we didn't want to do March of the Penguins, you know? Yeah. It wasn't about the narrator. It was about how narration really helps move the story along. And in yes. that one, um, like, uh, you know, when he gets his BB gun and he's out and the heightened tension of the, oh, and then here's whatever. I can't remember the criminal's name yeah. and whatnot. It it sells the story throughout. Oh, yeah. Um, it gives it kind of stakes when there aren't any. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, the inner peril that he feels, like when the Santa pushes him right before Santa pushes him down the sled. Yeah. And the look of horror on his face, but his internal monologue. Of I need to tell Santa if I don't tell Santa, <laughs> I have to have this. Uh, it just fits so beautifully for the character. Yeah. Just this inner child of all the angsty, uh, you know, feelings that you have. You're, you're a thousand percent right, man. That's why it was the hardest cut of all the cuts I made. It was the hardest cut because the narrator helps you live the movie. He isn't just telling you what's happening. Mm-hmm. He's literally the inner voice of the young Ralphie 
as he's experiencing all the things that he's experiencing. The old man, he gets all excited in certain moments. Oh, yeah. Ovaltine, I'm going to write drink, drink your all, you know, all of that. Oh, he does a great job with the emotions and then with the kind of uh, straight delivery and certain uh, sequences that he's describing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's weird to think that Nicholson was first choice for the dad. Oh, I didn't know that. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. At least that was their dream cast. It was something along those lines, but I, I'm pretty sure they offered it to him. I feel like that wouldn't have worked, man. I don't know. The dad's part isn't huge. Right. Right. True. But Jack, I don't but it's I don't important. know if Jack has that it is that lovable curmudgeon. Yeah. You have to care for him so yeah. that when the things are happening, you're on board with him. Uh, yeah. Oof. I didn't even think about that. So yeah. Uh, all right, so that was my number three. What do you got? Uh, my we three, did your three. Yeah, my three was Fight Club. So yeah, what's your two? Uh, my deuce is Shawshank. Uh, that's my one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So what do you, what do you have? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what you yep. have. Yep. Yep. Okay. You better know what I have. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Shawshank didn't even you make my side list, motherfucker. I know that's a shame. That's a fucking. Shame. It's really not. Oh my god! Really not. You're an insane person. Is that film? You know, does it deserve like a lot of that? Was the first to do this and that and whatever else? Sure, sure. Well, let's get into Shawshank first. Let's get into Shawshank first. I don't don't know. What what more can we say, man? We've talked about Shawshank. Uh, you know Shawshank. (laughs) It's it's Shawshank. Say what the nail. Say what the nail. There's a tree, man. Find that fucking tree, bro. By the obsidian uh, glass, man. The obsidian glass rock, man. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's another one where it's kind of like Robert the Bruce. Yeah. Tim Robbins is the focus of, but we get it from the perspective of Morgan Freeman. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I think it works much better for. And uh, oh. I'm glad that it was, you know, Morgan Freeman, A, for that voice, for the narration, mm-hmm. but that it's just such a great compliment as almost this paternal yeah. kind of figure yeah. for Tim Robbins. I mean, from the beginning, we are treated to the journey of Tim Robbins through Morgan Freeman's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. The, at no point does Andy Dufresne do the narration. So this is all through Morgan Freeman's telling of the story and his interpretation and his point of view as read. You yeah, know, when I first laid eyes on Andy, I didn't think he was going to make it through the night. He cost me blah blah blah. And then later on, having the comment, when I heard that woman's music, yeah, I, as I say, I have no singing. idea what that woman was singing. Yeah, yeah. But watch it, all of them staring up at the speaker, having stopped working. Exactly, and but just taken out of their yeah doldrums. And then, like you said, then later on when he's talking about, most of all, I just miss my friend, and so all of that. Uh, and how it, he brings it to life and how he describes it. And he says, you know, some some birds aren't meant to be caged. So there's just such great dialogue for him to lay out in narration in that movie. And it just is so essential. I think without it, the movie isn't as good as you want it to be. Morgan Freeman takes you on the journey. You're safe in his voice. And uh, you're right. There's a paternal instinct to it all and he gets his little shots in you know i like to think the last thing that ran through the morden's head other than yeah. that bullet was i mean just it's so great other than that bullet um uh, was how andy dufresne got the best of him you know there's so much here to savor and enjoy dude so yeah that's a 
it was a no-brainer. My one, yeah. two, I was like, this is what I'm doing. Totally. Um, all right. So what you're doing. My two is Apocalypse Now. Oh, never mind. I was thinking it was going to be something else. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Martin Sheen narrates the whole fucking he movie. Does. He does. His Actually, narration is so good. I believe technically a chunk of it might be his brother. Really? What? I've never heard that. I believe so. Shut the fuck up. What? Um, here, I'll look it up. Are you looking at look it up, please, as I talk about it? But yeah, that I mean, how many narrations get included on the soundtrack of the movie? The soundtrack of the movie, which is a double disc, double CD set, uh, for those of us who still collect physical media, he is the voiceover tracks through most of that soundtrack. So that tells you how important his voiceover was. And again, yet another movie where his voiceover is in essence occurring at the same time as the movie is happening and also uh, occurring above the movie. It is brilliant. And if you've ever read Heart of Darkness, it's told from a first-person point of view. So having him narrate this, um, even though he's not Kurtz, having him narrate this as it goes along is just fantastic. And again, he has great lines to deliver um, when he's looking through the dossier of uh, of um, Colonel Kurtz and what he discovers about it, what he sees, and his own reactions in the narration as he's reading stuff. So in essence, he's like doing both, telling the overall story at the same time as he's also telling you his own his own, his thoughts as they're occurring to him in real time as you're watching things in the movie. So just a brilliant uh, uh, performance from Martin Sheen. Hell, you could have nominated him as best actor for being what he did in the film and also his narration separately as a separate performance, in my opinion. So. Well, you'd be giving the Oscar to his brother. It is? Really? His Touch brother, me. because he was recuperating from that heart attack. You're right. <laughs> so he does um, a big chunk of the wow. narration overall in the film. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a YouTube clip of him talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I found that uh, corroborated or confirmed on various other websites, just basically wow. saying he filled in for his brother while he was, you know, recuperating. What an insane situation if they had nominated them both for separate act. I mean, to have two brothers win for this playing the same character in the same movie would have been incredible, man. You could not have topped that. Wow. Well, especially like if you go and look at, Joe Estevez's IMDb. Yeah, I can't imagine there's versus Martin Sheen. It's it's a weird. The guy works like crazy. I will say that. Fair enough. I think he has like legitimately six or seven projects coming out this year. Wow, is that Martin or Joseph? No, Joe. Joe okay. Estevez. Joe Estevez. Okay. Uh right. So he's got. This year, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, wow. In 2020, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Huh. In okay. 2019, one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, light year, huh, Joe? Well, <laughs> took, took it easy, did you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are you know, a whole bunch of movies, and who, uh, who knows how big the part is? Yeah. A whole bunch of movies that I haven't heard of. Wow. Uh, but still working yeah. like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, okay. Where are we at? So next? my one is Goodfellas. 
All right, go ahead, my man. I just, it's literally like all I ever wanted to be was a gangster. I just I go from rags to riches, but I think of the voiceover. Yeah, it sets the stage for me for that film. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his voiceover just kind of the awe of the early on and the callous mm-hmm. nature of it later on after he has just been worn over mm-hmm. uh, over and over and over again. Yeah, And I can't remember what movie Leota turned down to do Goodfellas. Oh, that's a great question. It's another big movie, but then he was like, I want to work with Scorsese and this could be, but oh. the other one was like, it's going to be a huge hit. This is going to vault yeah. you to a list. And he's like, I, this is Scorsese. I want to do, um, you know, this. And I think ultimately the other film did not do well. So it would have, or didn't do as well as anticipated, which means it didn't do well as far as Hollywood is concerned. Uh, oh, fuck. What was it? I don't know. Why do I remember all that about it? And I can't remember the damn movie itself. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Yeah, I don't see anything. I just uh, typed that into the search. Oh, Batman. Maybe it was Harvey Dent. Yeah, it might have been that. Uh, wow. He looked. Oh, wow. Uh, when I did for my first movie, Tim Burton was getting ready to do Batman. He was interested in me because he wanted it to be edgy and real. So he wanted him for Batman. Woo! Yeah, that would have been a bad casting. He said, I thought Batman, that's a stupid idea, even though he had just done one of my favorite movies of all time, Beetlejuice. So yes, I regret not auditioning for that. That movie and the success of Jack Nicholson, my career could have taken off in a different kind of way. So maybe he was there. Oh, no, I guess. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. It was something different I read, and now I can't remember which movie it was from. Okay. Still, I mean, he's now had a career of playing this character in essence. Yeah. 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 Whether or not that's what he wanted, it's still, you're consistently working. I mean, you're just in the mini saints of Newark. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps you don't always want to play this type of individual, but (laughs) when you, I, I guess narc is similar, but not, not, but Uh, similar. Yeah. Otherwise it's what old dogs. What was that stupid comedy? one we did? Was it old dogs? I don't know. <laughs> well, it was like a, a bunch of bad ones. Was that the one with him and uh, Tim Allen and yeah, and Travolta? Travolta is that they him were like that weekend one? warrior uh, Harley riders or something? And he was like the real deal. I never saw the movie. He shows up in the weirdest. He's he was in Hubie Hollywood Halloween. He shows up in the weirdest fucking movies, man. Uh, well, I think the weirdest movies are like his comedy choices. Yeah, uh, fair. This is like the comedy movies ends up and always seem to be terrible. What was the film you mentioned? I forget. Old Dogs? Old Dogs. Is he in that? I'm, I'm not, or, what, wasn't it something dogs? Something. You're probably right. I'm just uh, Wild Hogs. That's Wild it. Hogs. Wild That's hogs. what not dogs. That's hogs. It. Damn it. Wild right. Hogs. Him and Tim Allen and Martin Lawrence and William H. Macy. Yeah, it's a really good cast. And you're like, this movie. I never saw it. <laughs> but I know. Let's put it this way. Like I know some people that were in it. Yeah. And uh their reaction when people come up and be like, I saw wild hogs, and they'd be like, hey, hey 
Yeah, let's not bring that And they up. had the nothing part, but they were like, hey. <laughs> the um, Scalar brothers are in this movie? Scalar brothers are in it. That's funny. Oh, my God. Jill Hennessy. MC Ganey, Marissa Tomei. I've never seen this one. I've never seen Me either. I remember the trailer. I could tell you the trailer. Yeah. What was the one with Travolta then? The- Travolta's... In this in one, this, too. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. You didn't say his name on the top oh, of sorry, the line? Oh, sorry, Yeah, it's Tim so Allen, like, Travolta, uh, Martin Lawrence, and William H. What was H. the Macy. Travolta motorcycle movie then? Because I thought <laughs> he was in this. John C. McGinley's in this. Oh yeah, God. great cast. Kyle Gass, Peter Fonda. Wow. I didn't know Peter Fonda was in that. <laughs> Is that one of his last movies? That's sad. He plays Damien Blade. What a name. Why wouldn't you have Peter Fonda, I guess? Yeah, no, why not? Why yeah, not? yeah, no. This is early 2000s, so no, this was not his last movie in any way, shape, or form. That's true. Boy, yeah. I, mm. I forget he's in 310 to you. I always forget that he's in 310 to you. Yeah, the original? Yeah. He's in the, he's in the remake, too. A remake, right? Yeah, 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 in the original. Yeah, he's a young bung part in the original. Oh, craziness. Um but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's great narration from Ray Liotta. It's it's still classic, still so totally works. And again, yet another film that without the narration, I don't think the film is as good. And Scorsese, he's a great fucking filmmaker, but you kind of shoot the film so you understand the narration is an essential part, another element yeah. that elevates the film into unique stratosphere itself as a gangster film, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, when narration is bad, it's because the film is incomplete, so we have to go in and post and try yes. to fix this by describing why these two scenes are stitched together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could also told me, like, Wolf of Wall Street, but I figured only one per director. Oh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, that's fine, certainly. It's good. I'll take Leota over what DiCaprio does in that film for voiceover. Uh, yeah, just between the two movies. I love Wolf of Wall Street. I think it, I thought it was oh, yeah. good at the time, and now because of rewatches, it's just gotten better and better and better for me. Yeah, a lot of Scorsese's films are like that; they get better as you rewatch them. There's more to cherish, like Casino. Fucking hell, man, Casino! I hated that movie the first time, and then I still don't it think now. it'll ever reach the threshold though that like Wolf and Goodfellas have. No, for me. I agree with you. I don't think so either. Um, yeah, and I don't think and, Irishman is ever going to touch that. That's on, that's on you, bud. I don't. It's, I love Irishman. I love it. I love Pesci in it. I I, th- I just love their interaction. Yeah, I, I get it. The grocer scene is terrible. My God, it's fucking terrible. But the chemistry be- between Pacino and De Niro is incredible in the movie. Sure. It's, it, and yeah, it's not heat, but these are two older men. But it still works as two older actors really having a great connection with each other. Kind of like when you're watching Brad Pitt and DiCaprio in, in Hollywood, once upon a time in Hollywood. Like... De Niro takes the lesser, the submissive role a little bit, lets Pacino be the dominant, but it's because he loses nothing being the submissive in that relationship. And the same thing with Brad Pitt. He takes a little bit of the submissive as DiCaprio's the dominant, but it's because DiCaprio is the one who's constantly worried about his career, just like Pacino as, um, mm. what's his face, is always, Hoffa, Hoffa is worried about his status in the thing. So it works, right, to have them be, the more solid of the two, even though they're submissive to the more bombastic in that partnership. So it, it works so well. Um, and then the chemistry with him and Pesci, Jesus, Pesci is never more chilling than he is in this movie, man. It's the quietness. I don't know. Just the, I, I don't want to work. And then to come back and just crush it like this and goes back to, I don't want to work. Like, <laughs> 
It's incredible. All right, man. You know, each their own. Hey, if you if you've invested wisely, you do you, my man. Yeah, you exactly. If you're content and uh, you don't feel the need to, yeah, nothing speaks to you. You don't want to do nine heads in a duffel bag. I get it. <laughs> the sequel. Exactly. Well, you know, you got to up the stakes. I'm always going to say it's 16 heads, and we doubled the uh, Not six minute heads, seven minute heads. Seven minute What? That's this crazy talk. It's like the old saying, uh, what was that? Six squirrels sitting on a limb, or whatever the fuck it says. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> All right, well. All right, there we go. That's our overall list of the top 10 uh, best films that use narration. Uh, and now we're going to compile these things and have a battle over this. Uh, but hopefully we'll resolve this a little quicker than we did last week. Um, what, what do we? Uh, where, where do you want to go? I, got the- I would say, is Shawshank one? Shawshank, yeah, it's probably one. Okay, and I'd say Goodfellas probably two. Yeah, agree with that. And then what? Like Fight Club three? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. And then Arizona, we have is like a five seven. Assassination is a five eight, I believe. Okay, all right. So then the five seven would beat the five eight, right? All right. So Arizona, and we have Kiss Kiss Bang Bang together. That is what eight nine. Yeah. Do you want to elevate it or do you want to wait? I say we wait. That's one through five done. Sounds good. So you'd have you have Apocalypse Now where two two. Mm-hmm. All right. The apocalypse now, and then I have a Christmas story at three. Okay, that's yours. Okay, so we have eight, nine, and ten left. Do you want to do kiss, kiss, bang, bang here? Yeah, sure. I'm cool with to put it there. Eight. Okay. So we don't have any other commonality, correct? So just to just to clarify, Shawshank's on, Apocalypse Now is on, Fight Club is on, Goodfellas is on, Assassination is on, and then Raising Arizona, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang are on, right? Yes. Okay. So then my next highest is The Princess Bride, which is six. And I have Amadeus at six. Oh, I will defer to Amadeus. I does not even need for a flip, dude. So then we're done. That was easy. Oh, wow, nice. I like it. All right. The top 10 films that use narration. Yeah. At number 10. The Princess Bride. At number nine. Amadeus. At number eight. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. At number seven. A Christmas Story. At number six. Apocalypse Now. At number five. The Assassination of Jesse James. At number four. Raising Arizona. At number three. Fight Club. At number two. Goodfellas. And our number one film that uses narration is... Is the Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne. There it is. We hope you guys enjoyed that show today. Um, So next week will be our uh, first live show of the month. So please join us. We'll do it... uh, Uh, Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get an email if you're a patron. So be on the lookout for the meal. We'd love to have you next Thursday. And then the other one we're going to do looks like on Black Friday because it would land on Thanksgiving itself. And you and I both have uh, Thanksgiving plans. So we do. Tentatively, we're looking to do it on that Friday. We'll let you know about the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Might be a little bit earlier. Might be a little bit later. Who knows? But in the same ballpark-ish. Yeah. 
come and hang out with us. And uh, for those of you who are $10 and above, you get to hang out and see it live and listen to it live. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a good thing to do post Thanksgiving when you're lying on the couch, just relaxing, relax with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully more of you will join us because you might have that Friday off from work. So you can hang out with us in the afternoon and, and have some fun. And I do want to say one last thing. Our, our, I want to encourage you all in the Patreon to uh, kind of tell other people about joining the Patreon. If you have fans of the top 10 show, tell them to join the Patreon. If you want to up your Patreon, we'd love you to consider that as an option as well. And maybe even if you're considering upping it, letting us know what you'd like to see from us, what you think would help us expand the Patreon, make it more um, attempting for you to jump up to the next level in the Patreon. And if you think we should add higher tiers, we've talked about a hundred dollar tier or $500 tier. What would you want to get from those tiers? Email True. us and let us know. What is it? Top, uh, top 10 podcast at gmail.com. Yep. All spelled uh, out, all spelled out. And we'll get the information from you. And some of you have even reached out and asked about sending us a one-time donation because you don't want to be necessarily part of the Patreon consistently, but you want to send us a thank you for all the years of content we've delivered. And certainly during the during COVID, how we've been here every week with two to three shows helping you through those times. So Matt, you mentioned where could they send a donation like that? What's the PayPal they could do that at? Uh, it's attached to the same uh email address so it's top 10 podcast at gmail.com there you go there so you go. if and we have had we're not out technically soliciting right now we just had people reach out and say yeah yeah specifically i don't want to be part of the patreon or or i already am but i'd like to uh, donate more and if if you do god bless you so be it yeah um so you can uh, do it on paypal if it's confusing or whatnot just email us at uh, uh, top 10 podcast at gmail and we'll get back to you yeah we'll send you a link Absolutely. Yeah, we'll 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 figure it out. If you are genuinely uh, want to look into that or do that on your own, we uh, we would appreciate it. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. And when you're looking at it, if you go searching on your own on the PayPal, look for the logo. The logo should be on there. You know our logo by now. So don't just donate to any top ten podcast. Donate to ours if you're doing that. And some of you on the Patreon want to donate more, and there's not an installment for you to be able to donate more. Well, here's the way that you can. Just kind of do that on PayPal and, uh, you know, kind of send us what you'd like to send us. So, yeah. And as Matt said, we're not soliciting five separate people reached out to me in the last three weeks asking to send a separate amount that isn't Patreon related to us to thank us for the work we've done. So there we go. And, uh, you know, keep sharing this thing. Keep promoting it. Uh, we want to keep uh, building the audience here for sure. It's, it's gone down a little bit because of COVID and everything. So let's bounce back quickly and bring more people back into the fold here from the top 10. Uh, yeah, guys, these rookie numbers. We got to pump these numbers up. We got to pump these numbers up. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, well, well, yeah, what else hopefully we uh, you're staying safe out there and uh, all is right in your world. And our thanks to everybody that supports us, uh, listens to the show each week or tells a friend. We we thank all of you for whatever way that you can help. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. Check us out over there at Top 10 Show, all spelled out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, on Instagram and YouTube, it is forward slash the top 10 uh, podcast with the number 10 or top 10 podcast rather apologize um so hit us up and uh, you can follow me at mad on instagram and twitter and check out settle the score and dropping dimes and that is it for me this week 
There you go. And you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram and head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says we just crossed 19,000 subscribers. Come and subscribe and hang out with us and let's get to 20,000 subscribers. A nice magical number. And uh, my other podcast as well, the cinephiles and the geek buddies out there for you all to enjoy and have some fun with for sure. And if you want to hang out with me on Twitch, the outlaw nation, all one word there on Twitch, for all I'm doing there. All right. Well, that's it from both of us. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Mm-hmm.